Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host, Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for rice sports news and analysis. Uh, pretty quick little intro segment today, as we all know that you're just absolutely dying to talk uh, UTEP football. Who uh, isn't? Yeah, it's uh, it's the one thing that's on all of our minds constantly. <laughs> uh, but we do have uh, a guest on, uh, our, our buddy uh, Adrian Broadus from uh, ESPN El Paso, who's going to be on here with us in a little bit. But we do have some business to take care of before then. Uh, the uh, By the time you are listening to this, the um, Roost season preview will be out. It's preview day. That's exciting. I'm just a little peel behind the curtain for you guys. I start setting up my my stat sheets and getting everything ready by the time the regular season ends. So that's in December. The uh, the the first initial Google Docs and spreadsheets come together. And that was however many years ago was December, like three or four at this point. Right. Yeah, I was thinking five. So. It's all done, compiled, edited, put together, sent it out to a couple folks and, and got a pretty good feedback early so far. And we're doing a following off a promo we did last year when we launched our Patreon. If you're a first time subscriber on our Patreon to the starting lineup tier, that's the $10 a month. You get everything, recruiting, uh, practice notes. That's the big thing. You're going to want to know who's uh, trending up in the quarterback battle this year. I have a a sneaking suspicion. Uh, so first time subscribers uh, subscribe now on Patreon. You get a, the season preview for free. So that's a pretty good deal. I like free. You like free. Uh, so go ahead and do that. Uh, we'll have some perks going throughout July media days. We'll be here and then we'll have fall camp in August. So it's a lot of exciting things coming around the bend. If you hadn't haven't heard of or gotten the preview yet, the rice preview this year, 150 pages. It has five pages on every rice opponent with everything from impact players to uh, key losses, returning production, what the depth chart looks like this year, position battles. Uh, am I missing anything? There's a lot. Yeah, yeah, there's. It's more than anyone else has written on rice football this year, I'll tell you that. So, yeah, my 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 fun fact that that I learned while researching is you have to go back the last season in which Rice scored a special teams touchdown. Here's a fun one for you. Uh, Rice had a, a kick return touchdown. They also had a blocked punt return touchdown by Sam McGuffey. Ooh. So Sam McGuffey had the last special teams touchdown for Rice football. Or oh, the man, last what year was that? Season. Like. 2011 uh you'll have to go read the preview <laughs> i say that because i don't have that particular page up in front of me but yeah that was on the special team section there's all sorts of fun stuff in there so uh go ahead and check it out at the roost.com slash shop if you go subscribe patreon.com slash at the roost you'll get one for free and who doesn't like free so uh, put a lot of work into it i think you'll enjoy it i I don't know of any other schools around the country that have a 150 page preview magazine, at least not that anyone's told me. So uh, it's for you guys. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, that's exciting. So that's out. Go go buy that and stick around. I think that's all we have for for preview preview previews. All right. And we are here now with Adrian Broadus from ESPN El Paso to talk UTEP. How's it going, man? 
Hey, it's going great, guys. Thank you so much for inviting me back on the podcast. Can't wait to talk some UTEP football. It's uh, uh, Finally, we got 2020 behind us. Now we're looking for a more no- normal season, right? Yeah, are we allowed to use the word normal yet? Is that kosher? <laughs> <laughs> uh, more normal? Approaching normal? Yeah, there you go. I like that. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I read through your UTEP preview that you were you sent out over uh, this afternoon and it, it got me excited for for football season now that it's finally coming around and we were we were chit-chatting before we got recording of we didn't even realize this is the first time that we've all gotten together since the rice utep not football game uh, of 2020 oh my gosh isn't it crazy that i, I mean I, my head is still spinning over just mentioning it and bringing it up i mean i knew i knew i had to do some prep today so it was perfect that we ended up uh uh launching the utep football preview on our website um you know just talking about football and then you guys dropped uh you know the the ultimate guide which of course is is like the bible for conference usa um and now we're talking about utep and rice and how that game got canceled and the debacle that ended up taking place i mean what a i i just i mean what a 48 72 hours that really was back in in uh, late November. Yeah, we're, so were you were you in El Paso? Were you in Houston? Were you in both? Like where was your vantage point from all this chaos? Um okay, so I I I wrote like um if I'm not mistaken and I and I'm really trying to think about this all the way through. I wrote like a kind of a timeline of events that ended up happening over the course of Friday, Saturday, and then um, what ended up happening at the end of testing positive, you know, uh, false negatives, all those kinds of things. It was awful. I mean, really, it was it was awful. I remember being in our uh, studios, actually, getting ready to host the UTEP uh, broadcast. And we what we do for every, just to give everybody context, is we do a post-game show. But in order to do the post-game show, you got to watch the entire game. You got to, you know, we're tweeting live. We're we're giving everybody updates at our radio station, and then we do the call-in show. So we kind of gear up for a big day, and, and we get ready in in, in a certain way. Um, the NCAA ends up, you know, asking asking UTEP because of ten antigen tests that actually came back positive. They asked. UTEP, well, this is all according to Jim Center, right? I mean, I'm giving you the UTEP side of things. Um, <laughs> how there were uh, positive cases internally, the whole debacle that led to the canceling, us getting the phone call at, you know, minutes basically before kickoff and saying that, oh no, the broadcast is not going on. So we're scrambling, trying to figure out what ended up happening. I remember athletic director Jim Center comes out uh, on Monday along with Dana Dimmel, push, puts out a statement. And then Jim Center was the face of this UTEP ath- uh, athletic director. He was the one who was kind of walking everybody through what happened with the testing, the positive tests, the false positives. Just an absolute mess out in Houston. What, where were you guys? Yeah, so this was, this was strange because I was sitting in the press box Right. And so it's a I'm trying to remember it was at like a 1230 or a one o'clock kick central. It was it was fairly early in the day. Yeah, it was midday. Yeah, it wasn't a late window. It was an early window. So I show up and I get to the stadium, you know, probably a couple hours before kick to kind of get my stuff together, get all my notes and whatnot. So I'm sitting in the stadium and I walk in. It's 
it's it's covid press box so there's you know less people than than normal so it's it's a ghost town up there and, and i'm sitting there and and up to the point where you usually see you know the the scoreboard start the countdown and kind of the pre the prep of the the players come on the field for you know warm-ups and stuff like that and i kind of look over at uh the chuck pool the uh, sid over there and he says we're in a delay and i look up at the sky and i'm like i mean it, i guess that might be rain but i don't think so and he's like yeah it's not a weather delay it's a delay <laughs> and i was just like oh no and that's the point where i get on my phone and i start texting anybody and everybody and i'm like what is going on and uh it was it was bizarre because i think we get to i don't know it probably like it's all hazy at this point, like two o'clock, something like that, like two thirty. It was like more than an hour, hour and a half after the kick was supposed to have happened that they end up canceling the game. And I remember the there we have a media availability with Mike Bloomgren af- thirty minutes after that announcement. So it's like three o'clock. I write kind of my my my. I guess it's not a post game, a, a post mortem of whatever just happened. <laughs> And uh, and I'm fixing to to walk out of the stadium at like four o'clock, like I would have af- if a game had been played. I'd been I was at Rice Stadium for like four hours plus, and there was no football game. And then I leave, and there's like some UTEP players out on the field, just kind of doing like a mock scrimmage. And I was just like, what? It it was it was weird, man. A mock scrimmage? I, I can't believe this. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so this here's here's so why weird. I was confused, and here's why I was so – so at the beginning, uh, right when they announced the delay, there were no Rice players at the stadium. There were some UTEP players out doing like – it was, you know, like the punter, like special teams out there, some kick return guys, uh, you know, things like that. And they left. And then, you know, you fast forward three hours later, something like that, and the game is canceled, uh, a bus of UTEP players shows up and they're just like doing like, you know, like not a real scrimmage, just like seven on seven, throwing the football back and forth kind of thing like that. Uh, And they ended up actually, I don't know if this got out, ended up walking up like the ramp and the the end zone at Rice Stadium up Mm -hmm. to um, just kind of like up to the top of the ramp to kind of check a look out. And that's when the Rice players had started arriving off the bus and going directly into the facility. So I'm just like, are, are we going to have like a like a <laughs> finger pointing match in, in the middle of COVID? It never escalated to that. Like they ended up going back down. But it was just kind of like, wait, I was, that's what I was trying to figure out. I'm like, wait, UTEP players are here. So is it a rice case? And I'm like, no, it's a UTEP case. Well, and I'm like, why are the UTEP players here? <laughs> it was just it was a mess, man. It, it underscored when I think back on the 2020 season, that is what I will think about. Wow. I, I um, am so glad to hear it from your side. And it's so interesting because this feels like 25 years ago. I mean, for, for UTEP fans, I, I feel like just the Rice game, even the way that things ended off on the season, I feel like that's what you leave uh, with the season is playing a home game, quote unquote, in, Den- in Denton, Texas against uh, North Texas because the Mean Green refused to come to the Sun Bowl to play. And I, I feel like, I mean, you know, just going back because I, I was kind of sh- 
shuffling and I got my timelines wrong. I was kind of thinking, what are we supposed to say? What are we not supposed to say? Most of this has been publicized. I, I'm going to just throw it all on the record because most of this is publicized. Um, let, let's go through it. I mean, because they get there on Saturday. Dana Dimmel agrees to take a rapid antigen test in, in Houston. And I feel like everybody's kind of questioning in El Paso, why? Why did you agree to do the rapid test in Houston when you've tested Monday, Wednesday, Friday in El Paso like normal, like you would every other week? But for this one game, you agreed on Friday or Saturday that you would get the rapid test done uh, in Houston. So, so in cor- that- can, should I – could I – Kind of from the spin of, uh, I guess I have a different the what who who has been talking to my ear has probably been different than who's been talking. To yeah, you. I'm, su- the, I'm super interested. Yeah, I, I want to get to this right. Let's find the truth. Let's. Find yeah, the there truth. we go. <laughs> I, I, I am told that just basic generic the the rapid testing process is from from what, what my perspective was not uncommon from what has been going had been going on throughout the season and that it was part of a travel decision by UTEP whether or not to because that was like that was Thanksgiving right it was that week was whether or not they were going to test do that test in El Paso wait for the results and then fly to Houston or they were going to test and then fly and then gather the results that morning the the conflict around when Thanksgiving was and the timing of those tests was from what I heard part of what led to the mix up. You're exactly right. And in fact, I'm glad you reminded me of that. That is, that is a hundred percent accurate. They were both, they kind of, they kind of put two, like they pointed two fingers after this. They said, well, you know what? We were, we shouldn't have been here in the first place. We agreed to this before the season. Plus it made sense. Like how are we going to test on Thanksgiving day? We wanted to give, you know, players a chance to at least be at home or call their families virtually, whatever it may be. That is exact. That's a hundred percent accurate. What you just said right there. So, I mean, UTEP right now is kind of play, not, I'm not saying they're placing the blame or pointing fingers necessarily. They're just kind of explaining their side of the story and their reasoning because uh, we as media members, I mean, people across El Paso, they were the ones pointing the fingers at UTEP saying, what, what did you do? Why did you agree to this? And, I, now we understand why. I, I think we kind of pieced it together right there. That's that's step yeah, number one. <laughs> the part about the part about the Thanksgiving piece from from what I heard of national perspective and, and Rice was basically like, now nah, we're good. Just let it die. Don't don't worry about it. But we're pulling it out now. But from the conversations <laughs> I had at that point was, yeah, it was Thanksgiving. And we said either test or you can test here, but you got to test, which I think that point that the, the narrative I heard was like, man, Rice is making people test. I'm like, well, they're going to test anyways. <laughs> and that was true. sure. Sure. I understand that. And I, I, for me, I'm, I'm one of those, you're better safe than sorry. So to begin with, I mean, when everybody was trying to point blame, I was kind of the, the one who took the side of, Hey, I, I understand this might be the case. It's just, it is what it is. We're in a, a pandemic season. I'm saying, I want everybody to kind of feel the team and play if they're able to, but when, you know, things aren't checked off, when you have, um, you know, a college football team coming in your town, you got to protect your players too. So I, I get it. I get it on all sides. And uh, I just found the next coming days to be more interesting than the day of, you know, that Saturday, the fact that uh, <laughs> all the UTEP players go home, they find out that no one is, is positive that they, uh, those who ended up testing positive actually ended up 
testing negative once they got back to El Paso. Yeah, by um, bus, I, I, right? By bus. And, How and long is the bus ride story. from from Houston to El Paso? If I if I speed to Houston, <laughs> if, I, if I speed, I'm getting there maybe in twelve, thirteen. I mean, Oof. it's a long. It's, it's long, I, so I'm from bus. Birmingham, and it's longer from Houston to El Paso than it is from Birmingham to Houston, which I know because I had a freshman suite made at Rice from El Paso. Oh, so that's right. I I've done the Birmingham drive. That's like yeah. eight nine hours. That that's a that's a great one. I, I can't. Eight nine hours. That's that's awful right there. And from El Paso to Dallas is longer than El Paso to San Diego, California. What? <laughs> yep. You, we need to we need to invite San Diego into Conference USA. Come on. <laughs> the ga- no Gauchos. No, that's somebody else. What uh, are they? The Friars. I can see uh, the. Yeah, well, there's like a there's a UCSD and like and then like a private University of San Diego, isn't there? I think there's a couple different ones. Right. Think the you're right. Think you're right. Yeah, there we go. There you go. But yeah, so anyhow, by bus, that man. Yeah. That was bizarre. And it's the thing, here's the thing that was crazy that I think that was just so first off, everyone was upset because everyone wanted to play football if they could find a way but for UTEP this is the that the 2020 season was the most wins that UTEP has has had in a single season since uh you're going to have to help me here it a long while Gosh, I'm going to have to look back to 2016 you know um at last time Aaron Jones had cleats on for UTEP <laughs> that's the last time had any any sort of you know more than three wins they were four and eight that year um and and that was a year where it was a huge disappointment because you had Aaron Jones and you go four and eight and you're falling way short of expectations so um when you're talking about how disgruntled the fan base has been at UTEP the fan base is out and I think that's what where we started last year's podcast was the the entire fan base was just like are you are you serious it looked like doom and gloom for this program uh lacking identity and i'm not saying that they've got an identity now but at least they've got some life at least they've got some names now like the De- uh deon hankins from el paso the running back gavin hardison the gunslinging quarterback you're not talking about a quarterback battle you're talking about somebody who's a certified starter and who could who was decent last year and who has an opportunity to make a big step this year and you're talking about a guy like praise Amehule who came onto the scene as a pass rusher. You're not talking about a uh, program that is lacking identity. And your only, I, I guess, glimmer of hope is that you're, you could develop some of your youth, which I feel like they did a little bit last year. That is not how I thought you said praises. Uh, yeah. Last I was, name. I was so, going uh, after that. <laughs> I, I'm glad oh, you got that me, in. He corrected I, uh... me on air. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's yeah, great. Yeah. He was one of he's one of those guys who politely he was he's the nicest guy on the planet and in the most politest you know in the most politest fashion he uh, tell tells us hey it's by the way it's not Amehuli it's Amehule. All right, there you go. That's funny and yeah that and it's it's crazy because 
I'm just thinking back to that that game wrapping up because Rice was a, a, ended up being a win away from bowl eligibility. So Rice really wanted to play that game too, and like you mentioned, you know, for better or worse, getting all the especially given everything that was going on, getting so many players playing time and bringing them back in 2021 instead of starting over. You you said it wasn't. How did you phrase it? You said it might not be quite an identity yet, uh, but there's some pieces. And so I guess that kind of dovetails us in what's kind of the, you know, your short, sweet state of the program. Like where where is UTEP at right now? Great question. Um, it's boomer bust time for UTEP. It's year four for Dana Dimmel. He's won five games in uh, three seasons so far, five and 27, only two wins against FBS program, only one win in Conference USA through three yeah. through these three seasons. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. These, this, it's awful. I mean, this the numbers are not good, but the potential is there. I mean, UTEP has, yeah, 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 I, I got you. I got, <laughs> I got you guys <laughs> on that. Um, I mean, it's one, it's a program right now that is in a state where Dana Dimmel is facing pressure, but I feel like he's set up for success. He's got 11 returners coming back on offense, nine returning starters on defense, a lot of experience. And I feel like you can look at most guys on this roster and be more optimistic than you would be a little negative. Like I, I was when I was doing my preview today, I was saying, okay, let me think about this team as if I've got to criticize everything that they do. Like, like I've got to criticize every individual player. And I think it's way harder to do that this year than it has been. Uh, you know, maybe since I've been covering this team, I, I, I might go as far as to say that. I mean, I'm pretty young. I've only started covering this team back in 2014, but still, I mean, I, I, at that point, they were uh, still flirting with, you know, are they going to a bowl back then with Sean Coogler? They've got Aaron Jones. They've got more of an identity of this power style offense and, and running. Now, you're at least seeing the talent rise for UTEP. So I feel like state of the program right now, you know, they're the only way you can go right from right now is up. UTEP won seven games in 2014. That's yeah. crazy. I don't know if I quite realized that. Jamil Showers. Yeah. Aggie uh, transfer. That's the story right uh, there. Yep. One of my favorite. Uh, schedule. I love uh, a player whose name is a short, simple sentence. And. Uh, <laughs> Do you have another I, example, please? Uh, Florida used to have a defensive back named Valdez Showers. So uh, anyone whose name is whose last name is like a like a one word like present tense verb is usually a good go to there. Like uh, uh, the showers are the only ones that come. We'll, to give, mind we'll give right you some now, time but... to think. Uh, we had a uh, what's Phil Snow, de- defensive coordinator. I guess he's with the Panthers now. Is that right? Did he go up there? I think so. I don't know. We'll get there, but. It's interesting, as you were saying that, Adrian, I was I was thinking, I was like, man, you know, it, Rice and UTEP are kind of kindred spirits to to some degree. And it's probably only fitting that they didn't have the opportunity to play last year because, you know, we could say a lot of those same things about Rice that Mike Bloomberg is looking at only a, a couple of wins in his first couple of seasons hired at the same time as Dana Demmel. But 
the pieces this year, you, you put it together on paper and you look at the roster and you're like, I, I feel pretty good about this. And I guess at least for Rice, I, I think a lot of that reason is I we I, I, Carter and I probably both feel as good as we felt about a quarterback at Rice in, we'll say, since 2014, maybe. Yeah, and just, just to throw an additional, uh, an additional parallel on there. So Bill Connolly at ESPN just uh, updated all of his returning production numbers to account for all of the transfer portal movement that's happened so far. Um, so first of all, the national average of returning production is 76.7% this year, as opposed to the average for the last six or seven years is 62.6%. So that's how high it's skewed this year because of the um, the the bonus year. But UTEP is 41st in the country with 83% production returning, and Rice is 47th with 81%. So they're even getting back a similar proportion of that uh, the uh, returning talent. That's pretty crazy. And then I guess one of the, the returning pieces for you that you kind of hit on, uh, tell me about Gavin Hardison, because when I go just look through and if I, I pull up the, the preview right now, just to make sure I have my facts straight, if I go look through returning leaders and passing stats in Conference USA going back from the 2020 season, Gavin Hardison ranks top five in returning passers in completions, uh, attempts, yards. Uh, passing yards per attempt, uh, a good amount of things. So uh, s- sell me on Gavin Hardison as one of the better returning passers in Conference USA. Um, yeah, it's hard. Okay, I if you're asking me to sell him as a um, as a, as one of the premier guys in Conference USA, I'm still going to have to see a lot more. I'm I'm hard on Gavin Hardison because I believe that this team can go as far as he really takes them. And I know it sounds cliche, but a six foot three junior college transfer from Nimi, um, you know, I just want to see a little bit more. I mean, you, you heard it at the high school level when he broke records at Hobbs, New Mexico, and what he was able to do in his just one year at, uh, at New Mexico military Institute, which led him here to UTEP. But uh, last year was okay. Prove it to me. Be the starter and take over that, you know. And he did. He was a solidified starter, and he proved that he could be, you know, a decent quarterback in this conference. Now, the way that he could take it to that next level is with that rocket arm of his, and you know, uh, developing it and not being afraid to um, throw in some of like his du- like more dual threat capabilities on his side because he's a, he's fast. He just doesn't show it enough uh, in games, and I don't know if that's a coaching thing or if it's a Hardison thing uh, I feel like Gavin is successful when he is clicking the best with of course Jacob Cowling who is their best uh, receiver on this team and what he was able to do last year I like the numbers I you know the numbers that don't that I don't necessarily like from Gavin Hardison is is his completion uh, completion percentage you know he kind of is fluctuating you kind of see him going from a just a 50 percent thrower really and then he kind of goes off and then he's a little bit more successful maybe uh completes two-thirds of his passes but i want to see his completion percentage uh, improve i want to see him take control of games and call plays at the line of scrimmage and change plays and you know be more of an all-around quarterback because i again i think this team has a lot of weapons offensively and it has to be gavin hardison who really charges it because it's not i mean 
let's just say it's not going to be Dana Dimmel who's calling the plays. It's got to be the players who go out there and execute and win games. Yeah, and I think you you mentioned as far as the players and, and the help he has, this is if you know that I, I'm a big fan. I think the U, UTEP might have low-key one of the sneakiest running back uh, backfields, just that that combination in, in Conference USA and the receivers experience there. The UTEP offense, you know, it it had moments last year where it looked pretty good and has flashed, you know, some 30, 40 point games like the, the potential is there, it, it, but it, it hasn't all clicked. So if, if Gavin Hardison can, can kind of put it together, you got to think that the ceiling is actually probably relatively high. All things considered, given the pieces, right? Right, I agree with you. And you mentioned the running back group. You, you talk about a balanced attack with Deion Hankins, Quadres Wadley, uh, back for his, I think it's sixth year. I think I was in college and finished college, um, you know, during the time <laughs> Wadley has been here. But he's a great guy, and I'm, I'm actually really happy that he's back because, uh, you know, he's, he's dealt with so many injuries. I feel like at this point, he's not back for anybody but himself. So, uh, you well, know, a lot of credit to Wadley. Last year... He, I think he played like the first game and then ended up opting out of the rest of the season because of an injury he suffered at the end of the 2019 season. Is that right? I, okay, so. Um, I think it was like a I, lingering foot thing. Well, I'm, I'm trying to remember what I can and can't say. Um, <laughs> I know that, okay, so, no, no, no let, let's just say it. I, I, I know he had been dealing with injuries all throughout the season. He was a go, and in fact, I know that, um, if you ask like percentage wise, was he like on the injury report for the first game? No, he wasn't. And he didn't play that first game. He, uh, he opted out the week of the season starting. They released a quick sentence um, pretty much as like a footnote on a Friday. So the story kind of was buried in UTEP's first victory. And that was pretty much it. I mean, you kind of heard rumblings behind closed doors that it was frustrations mixed, you know, frustrations of just not being able to play mixed with uh, just, you know, how well some of the other guys were doing. And um, I don't think there's any problems. And I want to be very clear with that. I don't think there's any kind of problems in the locker room. I think that when you're just a guy uh, like Quadres Wadley, who's been, um, you know, at UTEP for so long, and feel like you're right there, you're right there. These nagging injuries just get to you at some point. And his thought was, I, I want to try to go back home. Let me go into the transfer portal. And that's what he kind of did. You know, he was um, keeping his options open. And then he quickly rescinded that. He kind of realized he, can't, he had like a kind of come to Jesus moment and realized that this was the right move for him, that, you know, he wanted to do this not just for UTEP, his coaches, his teammates, but, you know, really for himself to prove that he can get back on the field healthy and play at a high level again. Yeah, because I, I remember it, I was a uh, when Sincere McCormick was being recruited to UTSA, I was like, this guy's going to be really good. Him and Quadres Wadley were like my two guys under the radar <laughs> guys that I'm like, these guys are going to be awesome. And then I'm I'm still bummed. I, I want to see Quadres do well in every game except the game against Rice. I think that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and then you mentioned Jacob Cowing, him and Justin Garrett. Again, more more weapons for the UTEP offense. Those two are probably two of the maybe the 
maybe not the most talented, but probably the most established duo in, in Conference USA, at least that that are coming back and have done it for both because this is they're they're both upperclassmen. They've both been doing this for a couple years with a, a couple different quarterbacks at this point. Yeah, it's a that would be an interesting debate. I I'd love to get the you know the Roadrunner guys on and. And that, and put you know Garrett and Cowing against those. I, I think they've got like three guys. They've got like a three-headed monster over there. They, they can really do it. But um, yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. Uh, with Justin Garrett and Cowing coming back, as far as like you know the two most experienced with one group. I, I feel like with Cowing, he's the finesse type of wide receiver. He's going to be the, your deep slants type of wide receiver. His production was uh, pretty amazing last year. I feel like Cow, the way Cowing's going is. Um, you know, he's on a trajectory to play on Sundays. He's undersized. He doesn't let that stop him. He could still get open in routes. It's what I really appreciate about Jacob Cowing. Um, and the numbers back it up. I mean, he's an all-conference guy in back-to-back seasons. For Justin Garrett, it's not only uh, holding a leadership role as a captain on this team, which is pretty, you know, pretty cool to watch and just see how he's uh, how he talks to his teammates, but uh, what he's able to do on the field as well, even kind of being a decoy at times, because if you throw your number one or number two on um, on cowing, Garrett will beat you uh, and beat the, the receivers on the other end. So uh, I feel like Garrett is explosive. He's one of those streaky guys when he gets hot and he has like three catches at the end of the first quarter, you know, he's going to go off for a, a real big game. So I guess given that it looks like the the outlook at the skill positions is actually pretty good, um, what what does it look like for the offensive line, I guess? And do you think the offense having success this year is more, um, you know, assuming that the the skill guys turn out to be pretty good, is, is the offensive su- success going to be more on uh, maybe the offensive line to kind of pave the way for them and protect Hardison? Or is it really just more on Hardison to kind of take that extra step? I think you're going to have to put a lot on the line too. It's time for the line to grow up and, 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 you know, take charge of this offense. If they really want to, you know, have a winning season, I I feel like I'm, I'm talking and saying a lot of these things in the context of UTEP holding them to a better standard, expecting to, to win games finally, now that they've uh, got more experience under their belt and actually, you know, translating these to victories. I think that they, they bring a lot of, uh, a lot more experience and, um, and, uh, I, I guess just valuable time, that valuable snaps and, and quality playing time to the table than I've seen in years past, which is great. They're anchored by Bobby DeHaro, their left guard. Uh, really like what Andrew Meyer has done at the center position. I think he might uh, actually surpass Bobby DeHaro eventually. I mean, he has the potential to be the best, you know, uh, piece to their offensive line. Uh, really enjoyed what what kind of this transition has been over the past couple of years of just getting the right guys and seeing players shuffle in and out of the starting lineup. Now you kind of have your core five. They're not as deep as you'd hope them to be at the offensive line. So you'd worry about uh, injuries potentially happening. But aside from that right there, I feel like um, I feel like it, the line is in a better place than last year. And it does have be- you know potentially get better this year. So how do you weigh that against the other side of the ball in terms of your confidence level? Because there's a lot of good pieces on the offense. The defense has a couple of guys, too. You mentioned Prey is a name that is a, how you pronounce it. You I, got I it. A Mehule? It. it was a Mehule? Yep. 10 yeah, out of 10. There, you got it. There you go. So you got Praise on the other side. 
but in terms of your confidence level, if I tell you that one of these two sides of the ball goes out for UTEP and has a, a top five season in conference, is it a top five offense or is it a top five defense? Mm, great question. I, I would, I think most UTEP fans would hope it's the offense uh, on the defensive side of the ball. It's real interesting. I feel like they've got some questions to answer in the secondary. If they answer those questions this offseason, no doubt they'll be you know solid. I still worry a little bit about the lack of experience in some positions. And I'll give you two examples. Uh, one is the one is the will linebacker position. It's Breon Hayward taking charge. I don't really uh, I'm not faulting him. I'm just you know, you're taking a step back when you lose Stephen Forrester, who led your team in tackles last year at the linebacker position. Um, he was phenomenal for UTEP and he just ended up saying, hey, I'm graduating. I'm, I'm moving on to life and I'm not taking on this uh, COVID year. And he's doing some uh, amazing things in life right now. And and you look at another position is the weak side safety position with Tyreek James or uh, or Mikel Broussard as projected starters at that position. I think that's a little bit weak right there. Those are the two spots I'm a little worried about just because uh, as we've seen, Conference USA is evolving. It's it's becoming a pass. Uh, a, it's training more to the pass heavy type of league at times. And um, if UTEP doesn't solve their problems in pass protection, they're going to pay the price in conference play. Yeah, I think that was particularly telling because UTEP last yeah last year and the year before got in a couple of shootouts, which is not really not really what you would expect from a, a Dana Dimmel coach team. Uh, that I believe that was it the North Texas finale where both teams scored 140 points or something like that, and Jalen Darden yeah, had 100 exactly touchdowns. Right. <laughs> yeah, they set all these records again. again. What's it, what's it with people setting records against UTEP? That's that's a, a topic <laughs> for another day. Um, yeah, but 45-43 final score. Calvin Brownholtz is the gunslinger for UTEP because Gavin Hardison tests positive for COVID nineteen. Oh, yep. Yep, and that and he's out. So you know, you, you talk about memorable games and and Rice really going back to that UTEP game. Yeah, minor fans still look at that North Texas game as kind of the end of 2020 and kind of um, really showed off what the whole season was for the minors. But that that game was a shootout. They shouldn't have been in that one. I mean, they shouldn't have had that uh, really let go all those passing yards like they did. Same with UTSA. I mean, UTSA hung 52 on UTEP and really did whatever they want with their defense. Charlotte threw uh, 50 or 38 against the minors last year as well, I believe, and um, you know, they're just not in good situations. I feel like their best defensive game was Louisiana Tech, and I felt like they had a lot of, you know, glimpse. They had glimpses of that, and then they would have these, um, I guess, just holes in their secondary that would allow these big plays to happen. And they just, their big plays that they would allow last year was really what um, hurt their defense. I do have a, a, a fun note for maybe not fun, an interesting note for you. They were third in Conference USA in rush defense last year. Rice was fourth, so they did technically have a better run defense than Rice. Technically. But Wow. That that wasn't what I was expecting, but I I think that uh, they might have attempted to just throw past UTEP instead of run, <laughs> if memory serves me correctly. I mean, people probably looked at Keenan Stewart as the the defensive nose tackle, and they were like, "Yeah, we're not we're not running the ball against these guys." Yeah, I mean, whatever works, right? <laughs> you get at least it's maybe this is glass half full. You'd rather have one one aspect, maybe this is a front seven that you feel pretty good about, 
and the other one have to have the question marks than to have we just oh, I mean I remember talking with Matthew Bernie with two, Mean Green 247 uh, about the entire North De- Texas defense being every every position being a question mark so at least UTEP has that going for him right <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, you usually, I mean, again, usually in normal seasons, we're talking about UTEP uh, struggling to find identity, struggling to find who's going to be their starter, and now at least you know um, who nine of the eleven will be before opening, you know, opening day. And so, how do you feel on that? You you kind of expressed some concerns about the secondary, so I'm guessing they're going to be at the bottom of your list. But you have, you had to kind of, you know, put together and rank the the positional units, the the defensive line, linebackers, and the secondary. As terms as your confidence level going into 2021, which which part is at the top of that list? Um, I'll I'll give you two. It's the defensive line and it's the running backs. I think we we covered the running backs a little bit with uh, Quadres Wadley. It's uh, Dion Hankins, of course. Ronnie Awad is a nice speed back, and Willie Eldridge was a freshman last year, but uh, coaching staff loves him and what he's able to bring. I put the defensive line a little bit ahead of the running backs because I feel like praise and um, you know, nine swats last year on deflected passes. He had seven sacks in uh, eight games and just what he was able to do with that defense and take it to another level. Uh, Keenan Stewart, like I mentioned, uh, just a, a behemoth on the defensive line. And uh, I even like Kelton Moss, what he's able to do. I, th- I think you could slide whoever um, at that other edge position, whether it's Jadrian Taylor or Josh Ortega, but that's my favorite position group right now as far as what uh, what I see talent-wise. And it, it's funny because I, I look back and I think back again to Bloomgren and Demel being brought in at the same time, and both of those guys were handed a a, a rebuild and said, look, you got a couple years. Like, neither of them was said, all right, 2018, go go win conference, go go make a bowl game. It, it was kind of understood that there was going to be a rebuild here. And if you would, I, I think 2020 was probably the year on paper that people were expecting to see that. But with COVID and everything else, it, it's kind of a pass. But looking at the roster and kind of looking through and, and reading your preview earlier from, from Dimmel's perspective and, and from what you see, is this kind of at the point where the, the depth, you know, up front on the defensive line, we talk about the offensive line, some of the skill positions, the depth is kind of there to where if you would have drawn the three, four year plan that this would be somewhere akin to where they were supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this is one of those things where, um, if Dan Dimmels is successful this year, we're going to have to look back on his blueprint on how to, to make a program. And I think you're going to have, you're going to have to really, think uh, about copying uh, a thing you know I guess a plan like this because he did it just like he said he would he would build it with junior college guys he would mix in you know freshmen and develop them if uh, if and when need be he wanted to get a, a stable of quarterbacks I think one time last year through I counted like six quarterbacks on the depth chart they had a ridiculous amount of guys and he just likes to um to stockpile these different position groups and kind of build things differently and um it's super unique because it's kind of opposite of what we've heard before right where it's if you get the star guy give him the chance because his upside you know you might actually have that potential or if you see that juco player give him that shot right away and and 
um, really, you know, cater to what his style is. I, Dana Timble's been his style since day one. It's the Kansas State style of uh, balanced offense, sometimes favoring the run, sometimes favoring the pass, and he's going to call plays and he's going to call the game the way he feels. Ever pinch yourself uh, you, you, when you were describing things as do it like UTEP? <laughs> I mean that maybe maybe that maybe that was an unnecessary shot. It, it's just interesting because I, I and again I, I find myself in a similar spot where I'm I'm putting all the pieces together and I'm like this could be this you know it, it, this could be the year you know Rice UTEP whoever that you know the pieces do come together because yeah. I think what's what's interesting and from my perspective is you can see the you can match the objectives as they're kind of brought in. We're going to do this and we're going to do this. And then you put them all together and you shake up the magic eight ball and it leads to wins. And that, that hasn't happened yet at rice, but you see all the pieces and you throw 2020 out with COVID. And so I'm, I'm cautiously, maybe I'm not as bullish as you are. Maybe, maybe I'm still a bit, a bit skeptical, Uh, but there, there are times when, you know, Carter and I turn off the podcast and we gush about how, uh, Luke McCaffrey's going to make Rice, you know, a 12-win team and, and send Conference USA <laughs> to the moon. Well, yeah, yeah I, I, think, mean, I think in both cases, it's if if either team is able to have sort of more success than, than is some people expect this season, I, I think what it ultimately preaches for, regardless of any particular plan that, that these coaches had when they came in, is just patience. Because, you know, particularly in this era, like, we've gotten to where expectations tend to be so sped up for new coaches coming into jobs. But like one, if you're coming in to a situation where, you know, you're like Rice or UTEP that each won what one game in the year before these coaches were hired. And then you're changing systems and you're turning over the roster. And particularly in this era of and and they were both hired right at the beginning of the early signing period area where, um, you know, it completely, it's hard enough for a first-year coach being newly hired to pull in a decent recruiting class that year. Uh, but with this one, like, it's it's almost impossible to pull in that first class, and it puts you behind the eight ball on the second class, too. Yeah, um, I think Rice signed six guys that December. Yeah. So it just says that I, – I think wow. for me, the big thing is that you have to, like, the early signing period – you know, everyone wants to talk about the, the COVID year changing things and, and the the – transfer portal and the one and done rule or the not the one and done, the instant uh the one-time transfer rule um but i think the advent of the early signing period had a much bigger impact in what the timeline looks like for first year coaches and particularly that first year when nobody quite knew what the rhythm of it was like um and i think either of these things having success would just you know kind of go to show that you gotta like you gotta give them a while well, it's probably fair that the expectations of how do you win at Rice and how do you win it at UTEP are probably different than how do you win at Texas. Like, <laughs> if right. Sark struggles and he can't make a bowl game every year for a couple of years, he's out. Like, this is the, <laughs> that that's re, they're gonna they're gonna fire Sark if he wins eight games, like realistically. But yeah, I'm in. Mean, I guess I I was. <laughs> I was talking to my wife earlier today and kind of just going through um, the uh, different prices of, of season tickets because 
uh, you're starting to see all those deals come out. And I'm like looking at going to some uh, SEC football games this year. I'm like a, a, one SEC football ticket. If it's a big game is like 400 bucks. That's season tickets at a, at a conference USA program. And then some. Yeah. I'm like, it's not the same sport. They both wear helmets, but that's about it. <laughs> not the same sport at all. No, it really isn't. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things I, I'm kind of tossed. I now now hearing what you guys had to say there I, and just kind of thinking about this season in general, I, I know I come off with this more optimistic approach and, you know, thinking about this. But I, I'm, I feel like they're built for it. And if they don't achieve that, then it's I mean everything falls under and it, I think it's a similar situation in rice where if things don't pan out and you know, you get everything that you're supposed to do, you cross all the, you know, you check all the boxes of what you're supposed to do and you don't execute. Well then, you know, then there's going to be some real big problems. I mean, UTEP has, has um, flexed that they've been selling out of premium seating and getting more donor money left and right. Well, um, you know, 750,000, as far as a, uh, uh, base salary goes maybe they buy it out over a certain year period if things don't go right and uh, move on from Dana Dimmel so I, as as high as the highs could be the lows are are a full rebuild and you know a, another five-year program or whatever you know program or a rebuild whatever you want to call it I, I like how you put it though because it, it, as as fans of uh, uh, UTEP and Rice it, this is the point where each fan base has earned the right to be upset because there was there was that three year, four year plan laid out. It's been put in place and a lot of the physical, like tangible checks have been met, whether in recruiting or, you know, f facilities or marketing or however you want to spiff it up of however we're going to get to X. The X is there except for the wins. And so I think that's what makes 2021 different for, for both programs is, you know, a, a two win or a three win season in 2019, 2018 would have been better than both what the programs did, but you would have said, Hey, you know, they're not to where we want them to be, but that that's fine. Versus at this point, it's like, no, no, no. You told me all of these a plus B plus C was going to equal bowl game. And, and maybe it's not bowl game. Maybe it's, you know, a, a different, a different bar beating the teams you're supposed to beat, et cetera. But I think that's interesting. And cause that's, that's really what it is at this point that, a three-win season for either program in 2021 is not a three-win season in 2020 or 2018. It, it, and uh, I think everybody's hoping that that 2021 is the the high point because, like like you mentioned, at this point, you know how much how much leash is left. Yeah, it's well, it's like the flip side to that. Patience is that you know when the opportunity arises and you're you're hitting that you know like you said that kind of three-year, four-year mark where you're you know you've you've officially, you know, made it your roster and you, you have your guys and everything. Like when the opportunity arises, you kind of have to seize it. Cause like, you know, I've been, I've been thinking a lot recently about how, like, you know, the 2019 season, you know, there were some moments for rice where they felt like they could have been better, but ultimately we came out of that season feeling really good. You know, the defense was way ahead of expected and, you know, the offense wasn't there yet, but there was some optimism and they felt like they were in a good place to go forward. And then, you know, the 2020 seasons happens and it's, you know, I don't know that you can blame the coaching staff for, for that. It wasn't as great of a season overall as we, we hoped it could have been, but like, 
you know, now you have this moment where, okay, you still have basically all the guys that made that 2019 defense so good. And I feel a lot better now that they've gotten the Luke McCaffrey transfer. But before that, I was starting to get legitimately worried that it was this season was just going to kind of be 2019 all over again. And, you know, at that, at that time, that season was great. But if you're going three and nine in 2021 and you're not, you know, the offense still isn't there and you still don't have a quarterback of a problem in year four than it is in year two. I think UTEP's kind of at that same area where it's like, okay, well, you showed some signs, but like, you know, the, you, you, the excuses aren't there anymore. Like it's, it's kind of time to put up or shut up. And it's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe it's not, maybe it is, is a number of wins or, or maybe it's, it's a, a, you know, a more, more intangible mark, but, but Adrian, if you had to define what success looks like for for UTEP football in 2021, you know, wh- what would you look back on? How would you measure a successful season for the Miners? What does that look like? Uh, it looks like six wins or more. It really does. I mean, if you guys have looked at UTEP's schedule, it's not it's not like you're playing Bama and Ohio State, you know, week in week out. I mean, they've got a really favorable schedule. I'll, I'll just reel off the first four for you guys. Uh, New Mexico State, who didn't play uh, 2020 football season. Bethune-Cookman, they host at home for their home opener at, you know, Bethune-Cookman, the power in the FCS ranks. Um, the uh, Then they go on the road. <laughs> He's joking, and, if you're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you go on the road to play the Boise State Broncos. Okay, that's that's a tough one right there. You, you got me. Uh, and then you host New Mexico, didn't play in 2020. And then you start conference play against old dominion at the sun bowl who didn't play in 2020. So um, if they don't win four of those first five games, I feel like that's a disappointment. And then you're just taught. I mean, the rest of them, you're talking about building that momentum against bad teams and then maybe trying to uh, continue that momentum against real, you know, challenging opponents or uh, opponents who would be more challenging but then who what do i know i mean if they lose to one of those you know four opponents that i just reeled off who i'm kind of checking off as wins so to speak uh then that's a massive failure right there and then you're kind of back to square one and you're wondering why can't they be consistent why can't they win when they should against uh teams that are far you know far worse than they are right now hey for the record bethune cookman three seven win seasons in a row so you I'm not saying watch out. I'm not saying they're great against Northern Arizona uh, in Dana Dimmel's first year. So Utah better yep. watch out. <laughs> yeah, there are no gimmies at this point. But shoot, that's that's an interesting point that you point to, because what was the end of the final number? Like 127 of 130 D1 teams played a football season or attempted to play some sort of football season last fall. So you throw in that and you throw in the handful of FCS teams that got some guarantee games sprinkled in there, the the one game North Dakota showcase uh, or, or whatnot. But for UTEP to be playing three teams in its first five, no, is it four four teams in the first five weeks that didn't play football last year? Yeah, pretty much. That's exactly right. You're you, four out of your five. You wow. could not have asked for a better. <laughs> yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a pretty good setup. A better schedule. Exactly. That's wild. Man, that's crazy. I'm printing my UTEP bowl shirts. It's, it, it, it's Get ready interesting. For the New Mexico bowl. Make the trip to Albuquerque. That's how we the Rice UTEP New Mexico bowl. 
we'll do the rematch for all the marbles. That'd be fun, <laughs> man. I'd be in. Albuquerque's supposed to be a lovely town. It's probably Hopefully, a further, uh, further drive than Birmingham. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> Maybe we can get Jamil showers on the broadcast. There we go. <laughs> hey, I'm down. He was always an entertaining guy when he was at uh, at A&M. So why not? Of course, he was the he was the prequel to to Johnny. Right. So. Yep, that's exactly right. Oh, man. And then we had Kenny Trill. Good times. We can go down that that uh member so has been great. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh TM. Kenny Trill <laughs> TM. Oh man. All right. We uh we do want to thank you for for coming on and talking UTEP with us, but before we let you go, we got to run you through the lightning round, which I don't know if we prepped you is coming or not, but you might remember it from last year. Oh, so. I, I definitely remember. I'm more than prepped and I'm ready. You to you prepped, you studied. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. I, I don't, you know, Carter, have we ever decided if this was an open note, open note portion of the exam or not? I think the, we'll, we'll, we'll let you have it. This is all the, all the help you can get. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> all right, here we go. We'll run you through. First off, we'll start you off easy. Who leads the team in touchdowns? Dion Hankins. All right. That was pretty easy. Now, but on the other side, who leads the team in sacks? This is easy, too. Praise <laughs> Melee. Yep. It, it, but pronunciation counts. If you don't get it right, it doesn't count. Yeah. Then you got to choose somebody else like, uh, I don't know, like Breon Hayward or somebody. Not as good of a name. We'll, we'll go with Praise. All right. Best mascot in Conference USA. Oh, man. Um, okay. But. I'll say, you know, for the UTEP fans listening, I'll say besides UTEP, right? Uh, now nah, I'm going, I'm going the uh, UAB Blazers. I've always, I've always thought that was the best one, even with UTEP. You can throw UTEP in the mix. I love, I love that dragon. This is not including the okay. the real dragon, right? That they're petitioning for. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I, I've not been informed. No, it's the it, we're, they were going for the it was a Komodo dragon, right? That they wanted. Am, am I misremembering this? That sounds great. We'll get, we'll, get we'll, on the story. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think the Bur- the Birmingham Zoo is low key like a pretty great zoo. So like if they could uh, get one up there and uh, uh, UAB considered getting Komodo Dragon for football games. Yeah, this is from 2019. But uh, yeah, about to say this was a story. We'll, we'll get. I think we got Evan Dudley lined up with uh, AL.com. We'll, we'll get him. In the next couple of weeks, and we'll hear his take on on the dragon that was. I remember him covering it and, and giving updates. I'm trying to remember if the something from the athletic director. I don't know. There you go. So would that sway you? Would it be better or worse if UAB swapped their mascot with a live Komodo dragon? Way better. Way Give better. Give me that. Give me that. <laughs> All right. More fearsome of an animal than a roadrunner. Sorry, UTSA. <laughs> All right. Um, hey, we need to stir up some some angst, right? Conference USA. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, there you go. We'll put that in. All right. Back to back to the questions. Uh, what player from UTEP won't be a preseason all conference selection, but should be? Oh, all right. This is a great this is a great question, but I'm going to a little long answer. I'll try to keep it short. It's going to be Dennis Barnes, the first two way player that we see uh, in a long time. Dennis Barnes is possibly Ooh, okay. going to start as the third uh third wide receiver position for the miners 
but he has been there, one of their premier cornerbacks in the past two seasons. I mean, he is now proving to everybody on the field, Dana Dimmel is his biggest fan, um, that he's going to be a two-way player for this team. The long-term idea is to sub in somebody new that uh, they haven't named or they haven't released the name yet, but a safety who could slide into the weak so- uh, safety position, move Davion Inyang actually to that weak safety position, move that other safety that they got, excuse me, to the nickel corner position. And then actually, well, when you do that, you, you free up some room for Dennis Barnes to play at the corner position. Um, that's the biggest one right there. Haven't seen um, him actually, you know, do it in the game, you know, be a receiver in an actual game. But from the spring ball and what he was able to do, easily the MVP uh, caught a touchdown, led the team in receiving in the spring ball game and, and just looked dynamic. I mean, versatility on a two like as a two-way player we don't see that in football but I would say 10 to 15 snaps on offense so probably uh, maybe he could flirt with 20 in some games but he'll primarily you know be UTEP's premier cornerback and I think he's a name to watch man last like good to very noticeable conference USA two-way player I'm like I'm racking my brain right now that's not I, I that's what that's what I'm trying the to say. Last notable one that I can't even think of. The, I like I was like, this is this is like weird. Are we turning the time back to do this? Yeah, way back. Way, uh, way does, back. Does James Casey playing like seven positions in a game in 2007 count? Uh, He played defense. Oh, yeah. He played like. uh Oh, like tight this end, is... wide receiver, quarterback, running back, defensive end, and like guard on the punt team. That definitely counts. Definitely, <laughs> yeah. He was not a, in in 2008 when he was when Rice was much better and won 10 games and he was a big part of the offense. He was not really playing defense, so I don't, I don't know if you can say he was a true two way player at that time. But in in there was he did set some record in 2007 by playing like seven positions in a game. That's wow, right. I, 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 think he had that. A, I think he had a sack in that game, too. That might be the closest we get. I'm racking my brain. I remember, like, Rice had uh, D'Angelo Ellis. They they played it at corner and receiver a little bit in 2019. I think that's right, because they were, they were so thin on receivers. Or maybe it was 2018. I think he got, like, three passes. But I remember he had a, like, a deep ball down the sideline that he jumped over. Oh, shoot. Who was it? Um, I don't know. This is riveting podcasting. The, I think it was the corner of Louisiana. It was somebody really good. The Louisiana Tech corner. Is that right? The uh, uh, the NFL guy. Amik <laughs> Robertson. Is that right? There, there we go. go. I don't know. But yeah, he had like he had three. Uh, he played like backup corner or maybe he started a couple games and caught like three passes at receiver. But that's the best I can get, you know, since Casey. <laughs> that's crazy. I'm rooting for him. I am now the biggest Barnes fan. I'm looking at the the depth chart on the preview that I ran past you. I have him at corner. Should I move him to starting receiver just well, as a an homage? Well, I'm telling here's my thing is I'm telling you, every when you when you were asked when we were talking about the depth chart just off air. Uh, I was telling you the truth because I, I really didn't believe I, I honestly, when they were saying it in spring practice, I was like, all right, all right, but who's going to be the actual starter. 
And then, you know, we just have Dana Dimble this past week join us. And he was like, no, like, he's, like, legit going to be – he could be that guy at three. Like, we're still figuring it out. It's either him or Tyron Smith. So, uh, I, you know what? I, I feel like day one, Tyron will probably get – Tyron Smith will probably get uh, the nod, at the, you know, from a JUCO level. But it won't matter. I mean, when you're, when you're going to look at the percentage of snaps and how many uh, Barnes ends up taking, he's going to take starter level – uh, reps, I, I really believe it when it's all said and done. I'm just saying, if if UTEP wins four out of five against play, teams that did not play last season, gets off to a hot start, and they have somebody on their team that has like two interceptions and and a big highlight reel, like Sports Center end zone touchdown grab, like <laughs> he becomes a star I'm overnight. Saying, overnight. Yep. Yep, and he and then he becomes that all conference player that you that you mentioned. But can you put him on both sides? This is a good college football. Who's the last two way all conference player any conference? I don't yeah. have the answer, but homework. Uh, Stanford had a guy like a decade ago, like around when Andrew Luck was there, that played like like tight end and linebacker or fullback and linebacker. I think Toby Gerhardt. Are we talking him? No, to, uh, it, it wasn't Gerhardt. It was. Did he play um, defense? No, 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 I, no, I was just taking a wild guess. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it was it was a guy who played like fullback and linebacker, um, and there were lots of fluff pieces on it because uh, sports media loves a white dude who you know plays gritty on both sides of the ball. So Owen um, Mar- Marisic? Yes, that. That, that, there you that go. name struck, rings a bell, so I bet that's Google <laughs> made it to the NFL. Eight career rushing yards, five receptions. So there you go. Fun fact: we we that's crazy. Two way players is not something I thought we'd get into, but I like that. This is by far been one of my favorites that we've thrown in. So I like that. All right, we will we'll land the plane. You ready for the last couple? I'm ready. All right, team MVP for the Miners in 2021. Praise the melee. Let's call it. Let's let's say it right now. We're gonna take it to another level. Dion's still a year away. He 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 could get to that point, but it's Gavin's offense. Let's uh let's highlight praise and melee. All right, and then taking UTEP out of it. If UTEP doesn't win Conference USA West, who does? UTSA. UTSA. I I think it's uh I would pencil them in as the the winner right now. Um on the west side I. Really like what I saw from them over the offseason. They loaded up big time. Um, Jeff Trailer's done a great job. I feel like uh, <laughs> you want to talk about the recipe to success. Well, there you go. I mean, you know, modeling kind of the blueprint off somebody. Jeff Trailer's kind of showing you a little bit. But, if hey, if they don't fall to, to those, you know, the expectations that are set on them, if they don't achieve those goals, then kind of the same thing that we're talking about, right? I mean, they've got the pieces. They check the boxes. Let's see what they can do. And it's funny, Carter, that we've now had multiple non-UTSA folks have the Roadrunners to win the West, and our Every, UTSA representative said, no, 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 no. Yeah, everyone we've gotten on here has been more bullish on UTSA than Jared. Wow. This is interesting. I mean, he's excited, but 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 measured. Something that all someone, someone in that are... fan base has to be. <laughs> all right, and now we bring, bring it bigger picture. Uh, expanding from the West to all of Conference USA. If UTEP isn't winning Conference USA this year, just hypothetically, 
who does? Now I'm I'm still sticking with UTSA, man. Wow, I mean, it, calling it's a, a it's shot. A big, yeah, it's a big hot take. I just I, I like what I really did like what I saw from from them. I think it's a, I really do think it's a stretch, but let's let's uh, think out of the box here. Let's go for That'd a home fun, run. Man. It'd be fun. All right, and then the year is 2023. Is Dana Dimmel the head coach at UTEP? Mm, great. I love this. Is my favorite question. Favorite question. No. See, this is interesting. I'd use the line of 2024 for most coaches, but I thought, given the contract and everything else, and I think, have we? Have, I don't think we've had anyone yet so far assume that their head coach was still going to be around in 2024, for better or for worse. Wow. wow. Extremely CUSA. it's okay we haven't talked to any of the no skip holtz in louisiana tech he's going on oh yeah he's 100 years but (laughs) but ben carlisle said no i don't think so that's interesting uh so uh, i guess if i can ask a hypothetical off that and and then we'll let you go so everything goes right for for utep in in 2021 and it's a successful season, and Dimmel comes back. Is that is it kind of? I guess there's optimism for this year, but how much optimism exists that this could be something that you know? What what chances would you give him for sticking around to 2023, actually turning this around and and making making good on those initial promises? Again, I feel like he's set up for it. I feel like he. It would have there would have to be a disaster for this program to go under I don't know five five wins on this season I, I just want to put that number right there five wins is that number there'd have to be some sort of really really bad thing that happens so um, I I think the chances are there I would say it's probably you know an eighty percent chance no I would say it's higher I, I would say it's ninety five percent chance he's back I'd say it's a disaster of a season if he's not and that's the five percent right there. Uh, and he's checked all the boxes to tell me why it's 95%. Also on this, I, I feel like um, there is there's something to athletic director Jim Center uh, not offering him a contract extension, yet offering a contract extension to the former UTEP men's basketball coach Rodney Terry this past October. And it was, you know, that he wanted more success and, and he felt like he didn't deserve that. Well, I mean you know, hypothetically, right. Or just thinking out of the box. What if, <laughs> what if Dimmel, you know, moves on after the five years are up? Who knows? We'll go find you a new head coach. Put us on the search committee. <laughs> I like that. I'm I mean, in. I, let's do it. Let's have you guys do it. What, what's the blueprint? Is it the Jeff trailer? Or is it, is it the Dana Dimmel blueprint? No, the the blueprint is you go hire uh, somebody to run triple option. That's the answer. Ooh, there we I go. I like it. I like it. I, there we go. I'm just saying. Real, way back. Let's get some flex bone in CUSA. Throw in triple option and UTEP's winning three games a year every year. I believe it. I I think they've got the personnel to do it. <laughs> yeah, you could you could put praise in as be back. Yes, I'd yeah, be see? Oh, and I'd watch Dennis it. Barnes could be your quarterback and your safety or <laughs> you return kicks. Just at this point, put them everywhere. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I at that agree. point, you're playing a slow enough pace that you can probably get away with playing guys on both sides of the ball. So, you know, that, that bumps up your depth chart. So, uh, yeah, let's get all in on this. We fixed John it. Hankins at linebacker? I'm in. <laughs> there you go. And go put uh, Stick Mikel Broussard at, at uh, one of the wide receiver spots and just have him run verts all game. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> There you go. So if we if we we need to, we'll, we'll earmark this for 2023 and we'll come back. I'm looking forward to it. This is my favorite oh. annual podcast to join. I love it, man. Well, yeah. tell us tell us where we can find you and, and what else is going on with with y'all and y'all's coverage of UTEP and what we need to be looking for. Um, I'm just gonna highlight the the uh, preview I threw up. If you're a UTEP fan, check out the preview for UTEP football. It's got um, everything schedule. It's got predictions, offense, defense, breakdown, depth chart projections, uh, quotes from David Nadimmel himself and a podcast. It's linked to it as well. It's at 600 ESPN And my Twitter handle is easy. It's just Adrian Broadus. And that's, that's pretty much where you can find me. Well, all right. Uh, it was fun. Thanks for coming on with us. Uh, thanks, everybody, for uh, listening through this far. Uh, we'll be back next week. And Rice Fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.